Hello and welcome to Bondcast, a podcast series where we discuss our views on the latest themes and events shaping rates markets. I'm Imogen Bakre, European rate strategist, and I'm joined today by our global market specialists, Theo Chapsalis, Giovanni Zani and Jana Bruzzi. Before getting into the discussion today, I just wanted to quickly remind you to hit the subscribe button so you can listen to our latest episodes as soon as they're available. All right, we've got so much to discuss this week. It was a super volatile week. Um, So let's get straight into it. We're recording this on Thursday afternoon, straight after the ECB. So I think it makes the most sense to start there with you, Giovanni. Um, So we've had quite big market moves. I think the market took that as quite a hawkish ECB meeting. Um, Is that your interpretation too? Or do you think that that was wrong? Well, my interpretation is that it was... Well, not orkish, no, definitely not orkish, but let's say clumsily dovish. Uh, because she, she said the right things, right? She said, you know, inflation uh, was still seen as transitory, that uh, higher energy prices can actually lead to problems to disposable income and thus to demand and, and to inflation, depressing inflation in, in the medium term. And then in terms of market pricing, she, she said that you know, it's, uh, it wasn't consistent with uh, the forward guidance of the ECB, that uh, they were not you know, expecting rates to be lifted off uh, in 2022, not even 2023. So, I mean, all the elements were there. It's just that she was probably not forceful enough. She said things like, not for me to say in terms of market pricing, which again sounds a little bit like not the right thing to say uh, in this situation, uh, and also maybe the fact that you know growth is um, is seen to be quite quite robust, and 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 the fact that it wasn't in the statement, you know, t- t- took off a little bit of the of the dovishness uh, that otherwise was there. What about on inflation? I mean, that's obviously been like the, well, hot topic of, of the moment is whether this is transitory or less transitory than we first thought. Um, what did we really learn about their kind of view of inflation going forwards? Well, I think that their analysis is very similar to, to my analysis of inflation, at least in the euro area. So it's in between the like very short-term, temporary, and the and the uh, permanent or structural or, or persistent. It's just that it's going to last for a bit longer. This is what she said, and, and I definitely uh, agree with that. You know, because it's a combination of energy prices, and we know that they're there for at least another two months. Uh, supply chains, again, this is what uh, their uh, surveys and our surveys are, are saying about the fact that they will last. Uh, a bit longer into 2022, and then the, the temporary effects that uh, are going to be um, uh, moving out of the equation already earlier this year, uh, next year. But so, I mean, if you take everything together, I mean, I think the, the analysis is, is very realistic, consistent, and, and the message of saying it's still temporary, but it's going to last a bit longer into 2022 is, is perfectly fair. I mean, for kind of global central banks, the the big debate over the past few weeks has been about rate hikes and and the timing of liftoff. But for the ECB, I guess the more pressing matter is really around QE and and what happens beyond March. Did we learn anything more about that today or is that really a question for December and beyond? I mean, um, you know, it's... it's... (laughs) 
my my understanding is that the only thing we really had was uh, this kind of much more explicit uh, idea that uh, Pep will end in March. That 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 was clear. The rest, frankly, she vaguely mentioned something about flexibility, and this is you know the debate that we're having uh inside our team as you, as you know perfectly well but more, more 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 broadly but i don't think that she she uh she gave out a, a lot and then yeah december is now was and still is the 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 meeting where we expect uh, not just their decision but also announcement uh, and clarification for for the markets all right, thanks, Giovanni. I mean, I didn't have a huge amount to add from a, a markets perspective. I think, you know, like you said, the market, the market, <laughs> the market took it more hawkishly than than we would have done. I think ultimately we will be guided by, um, you know, ECB rhetoric over, well, maybe even over the coming days, but weeks and months back towards their current forward guidance, and therefore we continue to think that you know market pricing is is too aggressive, and and that will be pushed back later, out beyond twenty. 2022 and, and probably beyond 2023. Um, I guess one of the other interesting things that we saw on the market side was this kind of continued flattening of, of 530s or 1030s, which had already taken place as it was being driven, you know, in part by the UK's um, budget yesterday. And we, we can talk about that, Theo, um, later. But, you know, for the ECB, it really is more about QE first and rate hikes. And if we're going to get going to get to a point of rate hikes and we first have to be thinking about um, a drop down in the pace of purchases and and that really is a a steepener more than anything else we think so um, I would expect that those rate hikes can be pushed back further out the curve and and 10s 30s to to steepen up again so I guess that brings me nicely on to the UK then Theo a even more volatile week in the UK than it, than it has been in Europe. The UK in, in many ways has been leading the way. Um, let's start with the budget yesterday. Um, like I said, we're recording this on Thursday. So we had the budget yesterday, which um, I guess surprised markets given the kind of size of the market reaction. But, but what were they surprised by? What is the kind of t- key takeaway there that markets weren't expecting? I think the most significant surprise came from uh, the CGNCR, so the central government nest cash requirement, which is a number which basically shows how much the government needs to borrow. Now, this becomes very relevant because it is the key number for gilt issuance. That number was revised lower by 83 billion. And it came similarly to our expectations, so the expectations that was Walkerhead. Um, but it was really below the market. What is particularly interesting is that we deal with a 58 billion reduction in gilts and a 25 billion reduction in T-bills. Now, the DMO had to take a very important decision, which was we need to cut financing, we need to cut issuance. We have 100 billion to issue. How do we reduce issuance? And well, the fact that the DMO had to reduce the stock of bills shows that they, that they had to take such a difficult decision because you change the amount of bills only in, you know, in, 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 in a tough environment. They could not implement, they could not deliver all the reduction through less guilt. Uh, imagine what would have happened. Well, a much, a much more of a flattening. So what we got yesterday, and this is, this is really, as you, as you alluded to before, the significant flattening, which is made in the UK, and this comes from the monetary policy angle, 
originally. But yesterday, that got reinforced by the by the fiscal angle, um, fiscal meaning by the the DMO angle. So we have a significant cut in deals in general. DBO one in the market is not what it's what it used to be. A lot less longs as well, other than less shorts, which is significant. The DMO deliberately allowed a significant number of linked H1, and this is key. This is why the the the, the view that we had towards where break even has faced some headwinds simply because well conventionals outperform in this case. But I think what stands out and what I keep out of everything as of yesterday was resounding guild strength, especially relative to other markets, simply because it was the most oversold market. And now we enter a phase where just the availability of guilt will be a lot smaller than what it used to be. So it's a busy couple of weeks in the UK because not only did we have the budget yesterday, but we obviously have the Bank of England next week in this kind of flurry of, of central bank meetings. So does the budget have any implications for your expectations next week? I think it uh, creates, you know, it makes the meeting next week uh, a lot more important in the sense of right now there is clear bid for duration and APF QE is an absorber of duration. As things stand, QE is expected to last until mid of December. Now, if QE was to be stopped, we talk about, you know, 20 something billion of gills that will not be uh, invested as part of QE. So to us, this is 34 million a basis point. It's, it's big money, whether that gets reinvested or not, or to be fair, not reinvested, whether that gets invested is the right word or not in terms of gills. So there are a lot of thoughts from uh, investors or that maybe there is a case for the BOE and there is more em- impetus for the BOE to stop QE. But paragraph 65 of the minutes clearly states that rate rises can happen while QE takes place. So this is something very important. The other point that we make is that QE can continue and it would make sense to continue in order to show commitment, in order to show that the central bank indicates something and they do deliver, they stick to their word. We understand that the BOE, they did not like formal guidance so much. And this is why they changed their formal guidance narrative in recent meetings. We get that. But now, do you really need to stop a program for just one month, a program that you initiated, you know, last year, and you're so invested in the idea and you're so invested in your credibility for the future? So you mentioned paragraph 65 then, um, uh, you know, around the sequencing and the fact that uh, rate hikes can occur while um, net QE is still ongoing. So I guess that's the big debate at the moment in the UK is, is there going to be a rate hike next week? Which side of the coin do you you fall on that debate? This is a very difficult question because it is... uh... It is a kind of, I mean, uh, usually strategists, we need to have a clear view and a very strong view. Uh, we argue for no hike. So we argue for a hike to be delivered at the February meeting. Um, in terms of views, we think that the market pricing ahead of the December meeting is quite high. So the market uh, prices in almost 50 basis points by December. So this is quite substantial. Um, could there be a hike at the November meeting? It depends on, I guess, on the on the discussion and on the 
influencing skills of different members. Uh, but as things stand, we think that no hike happens next week. The first hike is delivered in February, then in May, and then in November of 2022. All right, thank you. <laughs> I didn't mean to put you on the spot there. I guess my, my last question would be, if we do get a hike next week, um, uh, a 15 basis point hike, or actually I've got two questions. If we do get a hike next week, do you think it, they just deliver the 15 basis points or do they go the full way for 40 basis points to get them back on that quarter point schedule? Yeah, fantastic. And this is actually quite a key question. I think uh, they should deliver 15. I think they will deliver 15. So the way that we operate or the way that the BUI operates is that there is a discussion and then um, the governor comes up with a proposition and there is a vote on the proposition. The proposition is on the bank rate. Uh, the proposition is also on QE, but that's a separate proposition on the stock of QE. So we will have a proposition on the bank rate and then members vote. Now, it makes a lot more sense to have a proposition for 15 basis points. We do not think that there is such a strong consensus that the proposition would be really 40 basis points. And also, if some members do support the 40 basis points, they would at least want to see those 15 basis points being passed rather than just risking the 40 basis points not being delivered. So we think that it's going to be 15 basis points if it is a rate hike. Okay, that makes sense. And then my other question was, so you have 15 bips in by February and then another 225 basis point hike. So that's what, 65 basis points by the end of 2022. So if we do get a hike next week, 15 basis points, does that change that your rate profile? Do you think we could see an additional hike in 2022 or is that just bringing forwards the February hike to November, i.e. we don't get any higher than 65 basis points by the end of 2022? We think that this is this is more a matter of timing. So it is just delivering the hikes sooner rather than later. Uh, we It remains to be seen whether the BOE expect the terminal rate to be higher than in the past and higher than otherwise. The market prices in a terminal rate at around 1% are stress conditions that we had seen this week. We've seen some forwards being in the 140, 150 area. So clearly, under stress conditions, the market may price some uh, rates, some forwards being higher, um, but we think that this will require additional work from the BOE. And mind that the BOE and the main reason why they they shifted their narrative and they moved the non-reinvestment of gills from 1.5% that used to be in the past to 0.5% is simply because they realize that we are in a world of lower yields and also that the whole distribution has changed, i.e. negative rates are also a possibility in the UK now. And hence, they do see that also the terminal rate will be probably lower than otherwise. So it is a matter of timing. If we are to have more hikes, we need to see a clear work from the BOE that they find that the terminal rate is indeed higher than what they, what they signaled uh, previously. Okay, great. Thank you, Theo. Um, lots to look out for in the UK there. All right. Last but not least, then, we also have the Fed next week. Um, are we expecting, well, I should say, what are we expecting? This was pitched previously as um, the kind of taper announcement meeting. Is that still on the cards? Yeah, that's definitely on the cards. I don't think there has been anything that changed the dynamic in a way to you know, justify pushing back tapering. Uh, the previous minutes showed that the committee was sort of split between November and December. 
but I think market consensus has come to a point where you know we, we certainly expect November to be the announcement. You know, Chairman Powell was uh, out there giving some speeches saying that November is the just implying that November is the you know the right time to start tapering. So I don't think there's anything that should change it, and I think uh, it has been well communicated. Market had enough time to digest, and it shouldn't really cause if it's delivered. Uh, it shouldn't cause any ripples. And just as a reminder, we expect uh, an announcement in November, which means they start reducing purchases in November, 10 billion in treasuries and uh, 5 billion in MBS uh, at each month. Rather, that's kind of where we change a little bit of our, our mind. Uh, prior, we used to think that it would be more so announced on a meeting by meeting basis. So that would mean, uh, you know, it would be on average on like a month and a half. Now we think on a monthly basis, it's sort of going to be automated with, of course, some uh, you know, footnotes there saying that they have the ability to adjust it. But initially, uh, we think it's going to start in a kind of almost autopilot-like phase and go through uh, through June. So uh, the last month of net purchases would be in May, so end in June. And what about on the QE side? Um, not the QE side, the rate side, sorry. Um, we updated our um, forecast this week for rate hikes, didn't we? We did. Uh, now we see the first hike for uh, Q4 2022. And that's just, uh, it, it really is coming to terms with the fact that inflation is going to run uh, much higher than previously expected. The uncertainty around inflation is going to be high. And even with the Fed framework, the Fed probably would be unwilling to tolerate a PC that runs close to 3% uh, next year even. So uh, at, at that point, we think the Fed, Fed will have to react. So our call is now for a first hike in, in uh, by end of next year, so in Q4 2022, and four additional hikes, so one per quarter in uh, 2023, bringing for a five total by the end of 2023. And as far as market pricing goes, uh, our one hike is uh, still below where market sees the uh, what the Fed will deliver next year. However, into 2023, uh, by end of when I checked this morning, the last uh, pricing showed something like 4.8 hikes priced in by the end of 2023. So we're pretty much in line, if not slightly more bearish over the next two years when it comes to Fed's reaction function. I guess that goes to what, what Theo was saying, that it's more about a question of timing rather than yeah. the kind of ultimate um, uh, level of rates when we get that. So it's not all about the Fed next week, though, because we also get the refunding announcement, right? Actually, on the same day as the Fed. So you're going to be very busy on, on Wednesday. Um, so what are we expecting? Well, I guess what's, what are we expecting in, in terms of the uh, issuance outlook for the next few months? Mm -hmm. So uh, this refunding for a change will is likely to bring cuts in coupon auction sizes until, you know, for the last almost two years now, it's been increases and increases. And now... Uh, we're gonna we're, we're gonna start the beginning of a cutting cycle just because Treasury, with the current coupon issuance rate, is so overfunded, even with some more pessimistic deficit scenarios. Just just for reference, uh, we have our de deficit forecast for fiscal year 2022 at 1.5 trillion. To contrast that with the current net coupon issuance rate, you know, get a, a net issuance rate for uh, for coupons without redemptions. Uh, runs at like two and a half trillion. So that, that, you know, that leaves a big gap of overfunding that Treasury doesn't need, even accounting for, uh, accounting for the funds that are needed to bring the Treasury general account to comfortable levels, something like 800 billion is what we assume. So what we think we're going to see is cuts across all lines, but more 
weight to be placed on sevens and twenties. Sevens just because they really ramped up issuance there, and twenties just because it has been an underperformer. It's cheap on pretty much any metric that you want to look at. Uh, so I think uh, and Treasury has communicated in the Treasury Borrowing Advisory Committee member recommendation also was sort of in line with uh, you know we should probably do overweight cuts in uh, in twenties. And after that was made, I think it's now it's become became market consensus that we will get larger cuts in the 20 area. Um, so so sevens and 20s being the overweight cuts, it's hard to still uh, make an exact prediction for bills because it's going to be really dependent on the debt ceiling and uh, how fast it resolves, how quickly Treasury has to uh, replenish cash balances, how much cash is left in the account before the before the debt ceiling problem is uh, fixed. But again, we think something around like 500 billion on net added, let's say from December onwards, just to replenish the bill stock a little bit, keep it in the around 17%. So between the 20, 15 to 20% recommended range. Um, so, so that's pretty much it. And finally, in, in tips auction sizes, we're gonna, we're likely, uh, we'll see continued increases. So say like another billion per line as they've communicated well, uh, just because A, the share of tips as outstanding debt has fallen a lot and B, uh, they, you know, they kind of have made it clear. So there's no reason to deviate from that path now. In terms of the cuts to coupon issuance, what, um, uh, what kind of size of, of auctions are you expecting or what size of reduction are you expecting, um, I guess, across the curve, but then also specifically for, for sevens and twenties, where are you expecting it to be overweighted? Yeah, so overall across when, uh, when in fiscal year 2022, the, when we finish all the reductions, just like a top line figure, we see about 800 billion of nominal coupon reductions in uh, fiscal year 2022 compared to 2021. As far as on a line by line basis goes, we expect to see 2 billion of cuts in twos, threes and fives each month, 3 billion in sevens, tens and twenties for new issue or uh, reopening and per month on the sevens and 2 billion for thirties. So uh, so that when we take into account the duration factor, the twenties, uh, the 3 billion in twenties is a, you know, a significantly larger reduction compared to what we would see in the 2 billion in the thirties similar to the 70s, uh, so, so, sorry, seven year, three billion a month, uh, it's going to bring down the size of the amount. I think about like August, after the August refunding next year, they should be close to or pre-COVID levels if they go with our pace, our expected pace. Fairly sizable cuts then really versus- yeah. Which should be actually uh, sort of coincidentally, like you said, it's in the same day as the Fed announcement of tapering. So over the next year, the flows don't exactly offset each other. But just from a supply and demand perspective, it should be similar amounts that what the Fed pulls from the demand side, Treasury should also uh, reduce from the supply side. Of course, there's other uh, kind of market. <laughs> there's, a, you know, uh, these like, it's not equal one for one as Treasury issues the newest ones while the Fed buys across like a, a spectrum of bonds, but still. How coincidental. Yeah. <laughs> all right. Thank you very much, Jen. And thank you, everyone. I think that's probably all we've got time for this week. Um, but just a reminder to our listeners that if you like today's episode, please don't forget to click like and hit subscribe so you can get our latest episodes as soon as they're available. Thanks, everyone. Speak next week. <laughs>